And it's uh, awesome to uh, to worship together. Thank you for everyone being here. And uh, I'm excited that uh, Nathan Arguello is here. So we, uh, you know, we're friends with the whole family. Sometimes they get mixed up. I'm sure his mom does the same thing sometimes. But uh, good to have you guys here. And uh, I'm excited about uh, our service, service today. And we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit, some of the Holy Spirit passages here in the next uh, few weeks to come. And uh, it's just cool to be together. So um, it's been fun to really think about this. And then also I wanted to follow up on uh, uh, Bill's announcement on two people for Kids Kingdom. I wanted to see if we could get two people like for this Wednesday. This would really encourage Justine if we could actually leave the room with two people that are going to be here Wednesday and able to serve. Do I have any brave volunteers? All right. There we go. Donald and Paige. Thank you, guys. There we go. I am uh, Justine's day will be made right there. So thank you guys. So today we're going to be talking about being touched by the spirit. And we're going to look at two uh, women in Acts chapter one, uh, Elizabeth and Mary. And uh, as we get started, just a little bit about the book of Luke that you're probably already familiar with. And it was written to this person, Theophilus, which his name means lover of God. So that's a pretty cool name. I think it's a real person named Theophilus, or it's just somebody, you know. But, but that it's written to the lovers of God, and so in a sense it's written to him. His name means that, but it's also written to us as lovers of God. And he was really the patron, the person that paid for the writing of the book, right? So he was the, uh, the, the one who paid for it. But it was written to a large audience. When you read through the book of Luke and Acts, actually, most people today kind of put them almost together because they're both written by Luke. So it's like volume one, volume two. They just call it Luke Acts. But if you look at all the different characters that show up, there's so many that you would never expect. And I think that Luke does that on purpose. And these two women especially Mary, would have been someone in her time that would have been overlooked, that wouldn't have been really that key in the story of God, but she obviously is. And the book was written about 70 A.D., so it's about 10 years after the temple was destroyed. And even in, in the, at the end of the book, he highlights that through Jesus saying, hey, this building is going to be torn down. So the people reading the book can go, oh, yeah, remember, Jesus said this was going to happen. And it happened, so he predicted it. And so it even builds their faith because they're kind of wandering and like, okay, now what do we do without our home, without our place of worship? We have nowhere to go for these festivals. You know, so they're kind of struggling in that way. And so uh, in, in many ways, it's written to the guy who's addressed as most excellent and about Mary, who you could almost call plain Jane. Mary was the most common name in Palestine at the time. So it really was kind of a, a forgettable type of experience for, uh, you know, compared to this rich, powerful person named Theophilus. So it's pretty amazing. Um, one thing as we start talking about the Holy Spirit that I kept thinking about this week, I don't know if it's interesting to anybody else, but you know when Jesus is baptized and the dove comes down on him, the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove. The whole week, I've just been thinking that doves don't do that. I don't know if you 
care about that, but they don't fly like this. Maybe a hawk or an eagle, but like doves fly like this, like 10 feet off the ground. Like they're not coming from the heavens. So anyway, I just thought that was just interesting that at least Amory Sr. is with me on that and Barry there. So thank you guys for just putting up with my, my uh, whatever that is. But next time you see a dove, you're going to think about it, and you're going to be like, I told you it's flying sideways. Anyway, I'll let that die. Let's say a prayer. We'll get into it here. Uh, Father, thank you so much for this time. I pray that your word will speak to us today, that your spirit will speak through me and really to our hearts, God. I know that uh, you have so much that you want to say to us, God, and uh, help us to have ears that hear. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to start reading in Luke chapter 26. I mean, chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom There will be no end. And I know we've heard this story so many times and a lot of times around Christmas, but we're going to look a little bit deeper into Mary's responses and how that interacts with the Holy Spirit. Because if you haven't noticed, the Holy Spirit is not necessarily a major on center stage, right? There's nobody in the Bible that prays to the Holy Spirit. They pray to God. They pray to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is just kind of sent to lift up Jesus. You know, he's sent to lift us up. And so as we look through this story, we're going to be talking about Mary and Elizabeth and the Holy Spirit. And they're going to kind of mix together in maybe the Spirit's humble kind of way. And so I'm hoping that it can kind of relate to us. That the Spirit is really about us and our will and our love for God and our willingness to really open ourselves up to the Spirit's work and be available like we're going to see Mary here in a bit. But Mary's first response was to be perplexed and pondered what the angel had said. And she was wondering, what kind of greeting is this? And now, I don't know any of you that are married, but whenever you go to your spouse and you say something to them and they look at you and they're just like perplexed, and they're kind of wondering, like, what did you mean by that? That's not usually a good thing, right? You're like, I, I was trying to be really clear, but apparently I kind of missed in my words right there. And so you're wondering what's going on. And that was Mary, that she was troubled and she was shocked and she was surprised. And maybe part of the reason was who she felt like she was. She was probably 13-year-old girl from Galilee, not from anywhere religiously very important. And yet, 
she shared what many people throughout the ages have, that she failed to recognize her value to God. How could this be? She wasn't asking if, you know, how could you not, how could you do this, God? She was like, what are you talking about? I think you got the wrong person. That's not me. I'm not that person. I'm just the girl from Galilee. And yet so many of us, we can feel that similar way. Who am I that God would even bother, that he would come down and take an interest in me and want to be in our lives and work through us, much less how he wanted to work through Mary in an incredible way. And I thought it was cool. I've been doing some reading on this passage, and a lot of times, or in the past, I've heard people describe Mary that she was just so calm and good-hearted, and that's probably why God you know, picked her of all the girls. But as I was reading that she wasn't just a passive person. She was a pretty bold lady. We're going to read her song later, but she had some serious convictions about God. She was chosen so that later on in life, she was going to watch her son die. She was chosen because she was tough. She was spiritual, but she was a strong person And maybe she didn't realize it at the time. And it reminded me in the Old Testament, God chose Jacob to be the father of Israel because he had spirit. Because he had what the Jewish people called chutzpah. You know, he was a go-getter. He was going 100 miles an hour. He was tough. And I think as I was reading, I could see that maybe Mary had some of this too. Maybe she was a little bit feisty. Maybe she was tough. But she obviously was faithful. But I love that view that she was a tough person. She was a strong teenager that would become a strong woman and mother of Jesus. Let's go on. Let's keep reading here. That was her first response. What's happening? He said, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. That she was going to be enveloped in the divine presence. That somehow God was going to come over her, come on her, be around her and in her. And it reminded me of the Holy Spirit as it hovered over the waters in creation. Just to to see the line of where she stopped and where the Spirit started, that they were going to be one. And that's really, you know, how God has put the Spirit in us. That it's us, but it's also God inside of us, that there's this melding of spirits. That we become bonded with Christ and with God the way that she was here. That she was literally going to partner with God in the incarnation of an infinite and eternal being. That he needed her to partner with him to be able to do this. You know, we read in the New Testament where it talks about us being co-workers with God. I mean, that takes this to a whole new level. That she was co-working with God in this. 
so that God could reveal himself to the world. See, because only God could reveal himself to us. I mean, it's not like we know anything about him. So he had to come down, become a man, and reveal himself to us. So Jesus is basically revealing himself to us so that we can know who this creator is. What an amazing way to look at God. But to Mary, her second response was, how can this be since I'm a virgin? I don't get it. It still wasn't good news to her. She wasn't excited yet. She wanted to understand. She had questions. And if you read earlier in Luke, the last person to have questions to this angel, Zechariah, got his tongue zapped and he couldn't talk for nine months. But she had a spirit. She wanted to understand. She wanted to know why. I don't know about you, but sometimes questions are really good, and sometimes I'm not a big fan of questions. Anybody relate? Some people in here, you ask a lot of questions, and other people, you receive those questions. Right? In my house, I tend to be the receiver of questions. And to my shame, I'm not always the best receiver of questions. Right? I get annoyed. I get frustrated. I'm just like, don't, ask, don't worry about it. Just trust me. Don't, don't ask all these questions. You ever been there? I'm looking at some people. I won't call you out, but I know who you are, okay, that are nodding their heads. But that was Mary with God. She's like, well, why? How's this going to work? I don't, I don't get it. Explain it to me. She didn't want to just go along. She wanted to understand. She wanted to know why. She wanted to know how this is going to work. She wanted to participate in this event that was going to happen. And she couldn't do that until she kind of worked it out with God. And I love that. Because the the Holy Spirit becomes kind of embedded in our lives, but he only can do that when we work it out. Kind of like Bill was saying with the contribution earlier. That he had to sit down and kind of work it out like, hey, how is this all going to work and how do I feel about this and what am I going to do now? And I think sometimes we can imagine to be just good Christians, we just kind of go along with everything that God puts our way. And yet Mary didn't do that. She wanted to figure it out. She wanted it to be hers. She wanted to grab onto her own faith. She wasn't just going to take the word for it. She had to get it and understand it and connect. And I pray that we can have that same spirit that we were willing to wrestle with God. That we're willing to ask ask why. Why is this happening? Why is that happening? That that's allowed. And that is actually demanded if we're going to really connect with the Spirit in our lives. Sometimes the Spirit comes on people and it's heavy and they have to wrestle and figure out what's happening. You know, I think of Jacob when he was wrestling with God. If he didn't wrestle, he wasn't going to be blessed. If he didn't wrestle, it wasn't going to be his faith. It wasn't, God wasn't able to do the things. Imagine if Mary didn't wrestle with God. 
she probably wouldn't have been who she was destined to be either. And I know that in the last few years, we've been doing a lot of wrestling. Right? We've been, we've been on the mat with God, and we've been trying to figure out, hey, where do I stand on this? And where is my faith? And, and I think God is excited about that. And I think, as we see, we'll see with Mary, that our wrestling is intended to lead, lead us to deeper devotion. To lead us to deeper convictions and deeper understanding and deeper passion for God. It's not supposed to knock us out, but to lead us closer to God through his spirit. You know, in the Old Testament, the, the spirit of God is this term called Shekinah which is like the presence of God that would go before the people. And when Moses would go to the tent and the presence of God would come down and that she wanted to wrestle with God so that that presence of God could be with her. That the Holy Spirit is swirling around each of us. He's infusing us with energy. He's trying to make our tired eyes sharper so that we can see clearly. Our tired voices to become tongues of fire, to speak for God or to speak against injustice, or to be caught up in his spirit. That that's how God wants us to live. That he wants us to be filled. He's given us a mission and he's given us a power to fulfill us and help us to accomplish his mission. I don't know if you're feeling that spirit, but if you're not, then that's a good thing to wrestle with. Lord, I, I want that. I want to feel that power. I want to feel your, your voice. I want to feel connected with what you're doing in my own life. I want to see it. I just don't want to be blind to what you're doing. And that was Mary's heart. Well, let's keep reading in verse 36. He says, and now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary said, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And finally, she comes to faith. She sees this, hears about the miracle of her Aunt Elizabeth. And she recognizes that anything is possible for God. That's a good place to be. When you're thinking about what is that nothing is impossible for God, if you're a Christian, that's a good place to be. Because you can think about any situation in your life and you can recognize that, hey, this is not impossible for God. That's a place of possibility. That's a place of of faith that's a place of a, a launching place for us as christians and she basically says I, i'm a blank tablet for the word i'm the blank tablet for you to use me as she was literally going i'm a servant that word there is doulos i'm a servant you know she wrestled she didn't understand and she got to a place of god whatever you want to do i'm here That's not an easy place, but that is a freeing place. I don't know if she, where her faith was at at that time, 
But she recognized that, hey, God, if this is what you want to do, you can do it. I don't understand it. I don't get it. This has never been done before. She maybe thought later, like, hey, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they're at least two people having a kid, even though they're old. But this is, this is brand new. This has never been done. It reminds me of the demon-possessed father that just said, Lord, help me overcome my unbelief. I don't get it, but I believe you can do it. Or Mary and Martha, when Jesus came for Lazarus, and, and they just said, hey, if you weren't here, he wouldn't have died. But even now, you can do whatever you want. And I, I pray that we can have that kind of faith, that we may not even understand it, but we recognize that everything is possible for God. And here, Mary's their fir- the first and model disciple for all of us, where she's going into this situation knowing what's going to happen, knowing how she'll probably be treated in Nazareth, knowing what people are probably going to talk about her as she comes back pregnant. But she's also agreeing to host Jesus for God and do whatever he calls her to do. What an amazing place. What an amazing adventure. What an amazing challenge that she had in front of her and opportunity. I'm not sure if he told her that he, she was going to have to ride on a donkey to give birth and everything, but maybe one step at a time uh, here. So let's keep reading in verse 41 here. We're going to look a little bit at her interaction with Elizabeth and how the Holy Spirit shows up. It says, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. So immediately after Mary gets this news about Jesus, she goes off about 50 miles away to see her aunt. And why, why was she there? I don't know. There's probably a number of reasons why she was there. But one of the reasons was that they needed to have this connection. You could think about it as this fellowship time or this kind of time that only they understood what was truly happening in that moment. Only Elizabeth knew what it was like to be an old lady and finally become pregnant miraculously. And only Mary knew what it was like to go through what she had gone through. And now it was already done. And so they came together and you see this uh, joy. And really until this interaction, there was still a lot of tension in the story of what was happening until... Uh, this child leaped for joy, and then all the, once that happened, everything else turned to joy. So somehow she needed this interaction. She needed this time uh, to connect. And Christianity is really a religion of joy. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. That whatever you're going through, God gives us the ability to have joy. And here this joy begins to overflow as John the Baptist starts his ministry even before he's born of recognizing and pointing people to Jesus. And Elizabeth finds out about 
who Jesus is by the Holy Spirit. Mary didn't, doesn't seem like Mary got to really say anything. She just said, by the Spirit, who am I that I get that the mother of my Lord is coming to me? And she tells us the story about the baby jumping in her, in her womb and leaping for joy. Why has this happened to me? This is the first time that Jesus is, somebody claims him as their personal Lord. The angel, it's the Lord, and to the shepherds, it's the Lord, and now it's like, who are you that I should, that my Lord should come to me? Through this direct inspiration, that the, even from the beginning, God wants to let us in. That he's not trying to keep us out, he's trying to pull us in. It's not just the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit show where they just encourage each other, but the door is always open. And he wants us to be able to claim him as our Lord also. And our, our Savior also. And I love that picture. And it, it tells me a little bit about what fellowship is about. It's about seeing in each other what no one else sees. It's about seeing the spirit of a person. It's about seeing the heart and intention of a person. It's about lifting one another up and pointing us to Christ together. And sometimes we, can't, we don't recognize it or we don't even identify it. When we come together, either in a big group or in a small group, and we leave and we're different, we don't even recognize what happened. That sometimes people point out the spirit in us. And help us to recognize, like Mary, who we really are with Christ. Because we don't walk around, we don't feel that. Sometimes we're able to do that for one another. And it shows me the power of the Spirit, like Danielle was saying in the beginning in our fellowship. That nobody said anything to Elizabeth at that moment. The Spirit just put it on her heart to say what she said. And you ever had those times when someone just says something to you through the Spirit, and maybe you don't recognize it at the Spirit, or you're just like, wow, where did that come from? What was that? You know, I shared the story of a few years ago. I know, uh, for those of you that don't know, Chloe got married a few weeks ago here, and I was telling my brother-in-law about it, and he's like, wow, how is her health? And just recognizing six years ago where she was at in her health, where she wasn't even able to walk, and now she's training for a marathon. And I'll never forget the time walking out of here where one of the brothers just said, hey, I want to pray for her with you right now. And he just said, the Lord put it on his heart. And honestly, at the time, I was like, dude, uh, I'm good, you know, like, i, I We've been going to doctors, and we've been trying to do all this. And I'm like, you know, I am the minister, so I probably should let you do this. So we, <laughs> it's not good to not pray, even at church when someone wants to pray. Uh, you know, and he prayed, and that was the day that she got better. But it was just one of those things where it's like, how did that happen? 
You know, I've been even reading stories about people in the Middle East that just come to faith because they have this, like, dream. They have this vision, and they, there's nobody there. <laughs> and it's just God comes to them, and all of a sudden, they're starting to go towards Jesus. And I think sometimes we don't recognize that because we're maybe too sophisticated, because that doesn't make sense, because we can't understand that. Do you think Mary understood any of this? Does this make any sense? Let's not be too educated or too smart for God. You know, maybe we need to pay more attention to what he's putting on our heart and be able to share that with one another in the fellowship that we have. Amen? All right, we're doing good. Okay, so we're going to close. We're going to look at Mary's song here and just to see the inspiration that happened. It's called the Magnificat, which is Mary's song of praise. And you can, many of you, maybe if you're from a Catholic background, are very familiar with this. But it's, it's really Mary's mind, body, and spirit, like in tune with the spirit. Like, you have those moments when you're just like, man, I am, me and God, we're like together. You ever had those moments? Maybe it was at a concert or maybe you're somewhere. And I think, to me, that's like a picture of heaven. When you're just like, you're in line with God, you're not tired, you're not thinking about time, you're not thinking about anything else. You're just like, man, I could do this forever. Like, this is one of those moments for Mary, I believe, but it wasn't just supposed to be a, 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 a song that she sung with Elizabeth, but I believe it was a song for all of us to be able to connect uh, with God in this special way here and understand what she's saying. In verse 46, it says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowly state of his servant." Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Indeed, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones. And lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. And sent the rich away empty. He has come to the aid of his child Israel. In remembrance of his mercy. According to the promise he made to our ancestor. To Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months. And then returned home. And that's a lot. You can do a whole series on just that, that song. And I believe the early church probably sang this song as there was many different songs that you think of Miriam's song when they crossed through the Red Sea. That, that she sang about God's deliverance. And, and Hannah, when she was not able to have a son and finally had Samuel, and she sang about God's deliverance. And here's... Mary singing about God's deliverance. And I want to just quickly talk about four, a few different things that she mentions. One is salvation and mercy. 
He talks about God, our Savior, which is really the whole theme of this book. The Lord is my Savior is mentioned in the Psalms and in Isaiah. That personal and that collective Savior. That he saved his people through deeds. He showed his mercy through creation, through the exodus, through the wilderness, through the promised land, and through and by being moved by the needs and suffering of his people. That even now, God's salvation and mercy are moved through the needs and the suffering of his people and all people. There's joy and fear. I already talked a little bit about joy. But he said he works through those who fear God. And fear is the beginning of knowing God. And at different times in my walk, I've, all, I've not really wanted to talk about fearing God. I wanted to talk about respecting God and honoring God. And, but I think there is something to be said about fearing God. I don't know how you could approach the creator of the universe recognizing who he is and not have some kind of fear. Recognizing his fiery power at times, sometimes volatility at times. Oh, I'm talking about Jesus too. I mean, when you look about, look at Jesus, look at the words in red, and tell me his disciples weren't afraid sometimes. That he's awesome. That we can't understand him, we can't put him in a box. He's not safe. Now, he's safe, but he's also not safe. That walking with Jesus has never been safe. That it's, it's extreme. And it's not always with extreme deeds, but it's, it's dangerous. And sometimes we can make it too safe. We can make it too much like a book club to follow Jesus. They weren't in, it wasn't a book club. They weren't just having snacks and, you know, giving each other hugs and being on their way. Walking. I mean, it was, there, there's times when he put his people in some scary spots. He's the source of everything. And I pray that we can even have that little bit of like, oh man, God is pretty He's not me. He's not like anything I can... I can't th- even put him in my own mind, much less understand everything he's doing. And now we need to be motivated by love, but I do believe that that... Just a recognition of who he is is, is needed, his holiness. He says, passing from generation to generation. And isn't that such a joy to see maybe that in our families and see that being passed down and... Hear about the, you know, the teen getting baptized. And, and Mary here kind of acknowledges her humble yet really special place in God's story. That no one else was going to hold that place. And now I know she wasn't trying to brag about it, but she did recognize, wow, from generations are going to call me blessed because of this time. Because of this honor, because of who my son is going to be. And then finally, this song 
talks about the lowly and the lofty in many different ways. It goes back and forth and talks about how God will humble the proud, how he will lift others up, even in there where he talks about thrones and good things and lowly and empty. He uses a, all those words rhyme in this poem in Greek to highlight the fact that the way we think about life, that if you have a throne, you get good things. And if you're lowly, you get nothing. And yet, in God's mind, he reverses that. If you have a throne, you get nothing. And if you're lowly, you get good things. See, in our economy, that doesn't make sense. That's not how the world works, but that's how God works. He blesses humility. He blesses a meek spirit. And Mary exemplified that and shows us. You know, I mentioned um, you could think about different people who would know both sides of that, like Moses. He was everything in Egypt, and then he was nothing. And God used him when he was nothing. Nebuchadnezzar, he was everything for Babylon. God didn't use him till he was nothing. And I believe that in so many ways, when we feel that we are everything, then God's not able to use us. I had a kind of a little bit of a revelation this morning as I was in Rancho and just thinking about this principle that sometimes because of the country that we live in, we feel like we are everything to the world. I mean, financial center center of all the movies, you know, military power. You know, we're, 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 not, we're not Israel. Israel is not us. They were like, pick a country that has like no army and no one's scared of. That, that's Israel. God, God didn't use the Egypts. He used the Israelites, those, the little guys. And I think it's good for us, and I'm not down on America. That's where we live. But I think that mindset of like, wow, everything revolves around our country. And sometimes that can kind of be, for me, everything revolves around me and my experience. And God's like, no, everything doesn't, everything revolves around me. And I need to recognize that, you know, I'm nothing without him. And that just kind of hit me today. And even how we look at life can affect how we look at God. And some, that's a sermon for another day. But uh, that just was hitting my heart earlier this morning. You know, but I think, um, so what do we do with all this? These are some great stories. Now, what do we do? The Holy Spirit wants to overshadow us, not in exactly the same way as Mary, but he wants to walk with us. He wants to be enmeshed with our lives and our will and our desires. And for many of us, that means that we need to work some stuff out. That we need to wrestle. That we need to talk to God about some things that don't make a lot of sense. And, we, he call, and, and so that we can get to the place of, I am the Lord's servant. 
I want to be, I want to partner with you, God. I want to partner with your spirit. And secondly, it means that we need to engage one another in a Holy Spirit fellowship. And recognize that we need each other to lift one another up. To see each other. To provide revelation even for one another. To praise God together so that we can see Jesus. So that we can go through this faithful and dangerous life that he has for us. And ultimately to recognize Jesus. The one who saves the Son of the Most High, the one who reigns in the house of Jacob, and his kingdom will have no end. And as we take communion today, let's think about Jesus. Let's think about the Spirit and what it's even as you get to pray, what the Spirit is saying to you and how he wants you to live. And maybe that shows up in certain areas that you're not comfortable with. As you pray, you might go, man, I didn't like that, or I don't like this, or I don't like what's going on in my, in this, in my life. And maybe the Spirit's drawing attention to that so that he can get you to a place of surrender so that God could work. You know, maybe the Spirit is just reminding you of an amazing blessing that maybe we haven't paid attention to. So let's, take, let's pray and we'll take our communion together and remember the body and blood of Christ. Father, we thank you for this time to come to you. Uh, we thank you for these examples of faith that we can look at today and just for your example of your spirit and just how you work with us and how you, you allow us to question you and wrestle with you, God, and God, help us to be used by you. Help us to be open vessels for your, your work in our lives that we'll, we'll, we'll have eyes that see, we'll have ears that hear, God. God, I pray that you bless our fellowship and our times to encourage and be with one another, that your spirit will guide us, that we'll listen to that voice and we'll say what, what comes and what is led by you. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his body and blood that we recognize. Thank you that he is uh, the one who saves. Thank you that he is the son of the most high. Thank you that he is reigning over the house of Jacob and he is reigning over his kingdom, which has no end. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.